listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello and welcome to this week's TNA podcast with me, myself, Chris, and my co-host, Riffwick, back after our three-week break. How's it going, Riffwick? All good, Chris, all good. I mean, it, it kind of feels like a long time since we spoke about Premier League or the European football in general, so glad to be back after us, you know. Feeling feeling refreshed? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The international break kind of, you know, gave a breathing space for us. Now we are on to the Christmas schedule, which is going to be very tight and action-packed as well. Great, great. Well, as an Everton fan, I very much enjoyed the break. Um, I completely (laughs) zoned out from football, didn't follow any of it until this week so plenty of stuff to get our teeth stuck into um first one being pep guardiola's contract extension right um i just want to say i i think it's great to see an elite manager staying longer than the three year three years than uh what is normally thrown at him and jose Mourinho, um carlo ancelotti play um, managers like that as a liverpool fan are you happy to hear that? Um, to be honest, if you ask or if you if you put it like that, no, because <laughs> you have more competition. It's not it's not going to be a freeway for us in the next two years or you know even after that. But I mean, you you look at it from a league perspective, a perspective of an opponent. I mean, beat any club, not just Liverpool. Even if you are an Everton fan, even if you are an Arsenal fan, even if you are a Manchester United fan, it's bad news. Because Guardiola is arguably one of the best out there ever to have managed in the beautiful game. And him signing an extension is bad news for others. But in terms of the overall perspective or in terms of, what do you call it, uh, preserving the beauty of the league, preserving the quality of the league, I think it's it's really good for for the Premier League. And it's it's a pretty tricky one I would say because normally Guardiola doesn't stay too long at a single club I mean from what we've seen so far uh, even at Bayern even at Barcelona I mean it's been four years if I'm not wrong here he's now stayed four years plus two more so this is probably going to be his longest spell at a single club and he's not won the Champions League so far he's won the Premier League twice in breathtaking fashion Oh, he's, you, you still have a lot to come from Guardiola, but the way things are going this season, probably, I don't know, it's probably a transition period for him. Yesterday's result against Spurs wasn't good news. What 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 do you do you think, Chris? <laughs> uh, yeah, like, like I said, I think it's great news for the Premier League. I think it's great news to see what he can actually do if he stays beyond that sort of three-year, four-year period that we've that we that you've mentioned, uh, and it'll be intriguing. I don't think there's any guarantees that it will be a success at this stage, and I don't. I'm just I'm just intrigued, and I'm quite surprised if I'm honest. Do you do you think, Riffwick, that I mean I I, I think given Man City's performance over the last year, I think it's obvious that there is changes that needed. How how big of a rebuild do you think is needed and how big of a rebuild do you think will actually happen? Um, I mean, going by what's happened in the last four years under Guardiola, it's been 
I mean, he, every summer you've seen him adding players, adding defenders, especially. He spent enormous amount on defenders, fullbacks, centre-backs. I mean, you look at Man City's defence, I think it's kind of okay now. It's kind of stable. I mean, prob- probably yeah. not. But in terms of personnel, Ruben Diaz, Aymeric Laporte, centre-backs, fine. Joao Cancelo, uh, Kyle Walker, still fine. I mean, they probably still need a left-back. Cancelo's not traditionally a left-back. And he doesn't actually play as a left-back, although it, it seems as though on paper. But... I mean, probably they might need one more recruitment there and people might think I'm silly because he spent enormous amount there, but they've not kind of, you know, made that area stable. Left back, Benjamin Mendes, kind of forever in and out of the squad. But for me, the most crucial area or part of the pitch where they need recruitment is attack, especially a striker. They need a striker. I mean... Sergio Aguero is is aging and I don't think he's going to stay at City for more than a year or two from now on. I probably think, I mean, I, it would probably surprise me if Sergio Aguero leaves next summer, but I think the summer after that, it's going to be 100% sure, in my opinion. And is Gabriel Jesus fit to replace Aguero? I mean, obviously, you have two sides of the coin. You you might see some people say yes, some people might say no. I am also pretty confused. I'm also somewhere in between that because Jesus has very much impressed me with his movement, with the way he receives the ball, with the way he makes those runs. But his finishing at times has been questionable. I mean, this season, I don't think there's this huge sample space. But last season, he had an expected goals of around 21 in, in the Premier League alone. And he scored about 14 goals, if I'm not wrong. And that's massive underperformance. I mean, he's got some really good chances, but he some, sometimes fails to convert that, which I think is something that you cannot have if you're playing for City. And yeah. that's something that's something that you can see this season from City as well. They scored less goals than Crystal Palace, if I'm not wrong, this season. And that's horrific. That is horrific. <laughs> so that is an area which I think they need to improve. They need to strengthen. They need to get a really good striker. I know they've been linked with various names, including Leo Messi. I don't know if Leo Messi is the solution for their goal scoring situation, but they need a striker to replace Aguero. They need someone probably who can actually push Gabriel Jesus because I'm still not 100% convinced with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I think that's understandable. Uh, I mean, the way I see Manchester City at the moment is their game, their game is fading because they're not as good in possession as what they once were. They're not as good as at pressing as what they once were. And that's making them a lot easier to beat than what they once were. So I think a rebuild is needed. I mean, the next question I'm going to ask you is a little bit difficult, but I just want your opinion on it. What do you think is the main reason behind Guardiola staying on or signing that new contract? Do you, do you think... Mm, this... I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll give you a little inkling to what my, my, my thinking behind the question is. Is Do you think it's the the, uh, the will and the, to, to win the Champions League or do you think it's the fact that he's been pushed he's, he's been pushed from his perch from, by Jurgen Klopp? 
Um, I mean, this is a very tricky question, Chris, but I think it's neither of the two. I mean, you think that Guardiola might leave this summer and his options might most probably be Barcelona. Juventus, I think they look happy with Andre Perlo as of now. Uh, I don't think he wants to move to Barcelona at this point. I, I don't think he would want to move to Barcelona and manage there again. I think he said that before, if I'm not wrong. So yeah. you look at the prospect or or you look at the possibilities that he has for a job PSG yeah that could be possible but again I, I, I don't know if he sees PSG as an attractive option because it's it's moreover PSG's dominance there in the league yes he could be in the Champions League there perhaps but I think his next target might most probably be Italy I, I do think that I do think that that's that's the case, and I think he's probably waiting for a couple of years before he might or he 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 thinks that the Juventus job might be available or probably a job at Inter Milan could be possible. So I definitely think that's the case, but also but also City is an interesting project in itself. So I mean, unlike the other managers that they've had in the past, the owners have been pretty much assuring of. Pep Guardiola and they, they really have you know, given the full support to him. So he feels yeah. that support in my opinion and he, and he still thinks that he has something left to give to the club, especially especially because of the performances in the Champions League. I think he still thinks that he has something to prove with City. I mean, he has amassed 100 points. He won the league with 98 points the year after again by a point, especially with Liverpool finishing in 97 points. Yeah. I mean, he's won two league titles in dominant fashion, in in emphatic fashion. But in the Champions League, he's been actually trashed by teams like Lyon, Monaco, and you know, it's it's it, it's uh, even Liverpool. So it's it's kind of you know, I think it's it's kind of a mix of both, where he feels that he has something to you know. City back to because of all the support he's got. He's got enormous amount of money to spend as well. So in terms of the backing that the owners have given him, I think it's 100%. He's got everything that he needed at City. He still might get everything that he needs at City. And I think he still feels that he needs to pay pay them back by a decent performance in the Champions League, at least going on to a final. And also in terms of the things outside the uh, the situation outside the job market outside i don't think he sees any job that that might seem attractive to him i mean i said italy so yeah i think it's a mix of both mm, interesting it will be interesting it'd be nice to see how an elite manager and managers change as well because I, I think that's a thing for me a little bit of a bugbear in football for me that all these elite managers around the world I mean, it was something that was thrown at Jose Mourinho maybe before the Man- Manchester United job, or, or sorry, before the Tottenham job. Something that's been thrown at Guardiola that they don't they stay for the three years because that's what they believe the amount of time that it takes to for, for the players to stop listening to them is what uh, is what's been put on records. And then when the t- and when 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 the squad needs reshaping and rebuilding, they don't actually hang around; they go. And you never actually see the manage change. So obviously you've quote touched on it there. There's a number of areas on the pitch that need changing for Manchester City. So it'd be good to see the process now because I don't actually see them being 
successful this season. And I think last night's game sort of reiterated that for me. Now, you mentioned there about the the striker issue. Do you feel that they now need to start considering another backup or more competition for Edison? Um, yeah, probably, yes. Because, I mean, you look at both the goals that Spurs scored yesterday. I mean, it's not, it's not technically an error. I mean, both goals, I would say Edison could have done better. But it's not technically errors, but bad decision-making. I mean, you might have seen even in Pickford's case today, it's, it's the complete exact opposite. So, this this guy called John Harrison on Twitter. He's a goalkeeper expert yeah. and he, he explained it so well. So, you see both the goals. Edison came out of his line pretty fast, pretty quickly. And, I mean, that completely gave Son, first, especially for the first goal, you see Son had... You know, he just needed to provide that a good finish and the ball would go in. I mean, he could have yeah. probably, probably waited a bit more and tried to make himself big. And also for the second goal, if Edison doesn't rush out so fast, if he waits a little, this, I mean, the shot immediately becomes a bit more tough because Los also need to probably shoot with more power and it has to be a more convincing shot for the for, for, for it to be a goal. So, I think he made the job easier for Lo Celso for the second goal as well by rushing out and, you know, helping Lo Celso with the finish. So, it's not, I mean, obviously, don't get me wrong, Ederson is a good keeper in terms of distribution. He is the best in the league, in my opinion, even better than Alisson. So, his passing is sometimes very pleasing to the eyes and you can just see, sit there and watch Ederson, you know, launch the ball upwards but his decision making his positioning these two aspects has been pretty much under the red light not just of late from the very beginning and I think yes he might need uh, probably a strong backup who can kind of push um, push him you see you see that with uh, David De Gea now Dean Henderson yeah wasn't sent out on loan. You see David De Gea's performance is improving to what it was last season or the season before. I mean, even in yesterday's gaming West Brom, he made a really amazing save with his feet. And that is typical David De Gea. You see David De Gea improving now. So, I think when you have competition, it's, 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 not, it's not something that I think, I think it's probably universal. But when you have competition, you tend to do better. And I think City might have to look at a decent number two so that Edison doesn't take his place for granted. Yeah, I 100% agree with you then. Yeah. I mean, I personally think he was at fault for both goals. I think the first one, more, the second one got highlighted, but I think the first one for me, he, there's absolutely no reason for him to come out that early. Um, I think if you if you rewatch it, Cancelo's getting back to the point where if Edison hadn't come out... There's no way Son was Son was aware that Cancelo was coming back on it on the inside on on goal side of him. He was on his weak side. He was still basically in the middle or sort of on a straight angle to to the keeper and the goal. There's no way he would have shot at that point. But because Edison comes flying out of his goal, he actually makes it easier for Son to shoot. It doesn't actually and it it becomes easier because he doesn't come out on an angle. So I I was I I, I was just dismayed by it, but. Obviously, a lot's been paid. You've mentioned there the, the 
on Twitter, everything seems to be about the keeper, but I, th- I don't think we can take anything away from Tottenham and the way the format they're in at the moment, not only as a team, but individually. Uh, it really looks like Jose Menino's got the bit between his teeth at the moment. Starts to play the odd mind games before the game as well with Guardiola. We haven't seen him play mind games throughout really his tenure as Tottenham boss. We've got a question from one of our patrons, Dieter, and let's get straight into it. Can Tottenham win the Premier League this year? Um, I mean, I, I would like to actually rephrase Dieter. Can they win? Probably, yes. But are they title contenders? Yes, absolutely, 100%. I mean, they have their Europa League fixtures, which is going to be sandwiching between the Premier League games, midweek games. So that's going to be tough with all the travelling and stuff they have to do. But but I think something that Jose Mourinho has done really well is to recruit rightly in the summer. He's basically seen that his team is, his starting eleven is very much capable of getting the job done. So he went on and added depth and also good quality depth. It's not like he's added subpar second choices. He's had added depth in terms of attack, Gareth Bale, Vinicius, and they have decent defensive signings as well. They made Sergio Reguilón has been amazing. He's, he's an amazing signing that they made. Matt Doherty on the right side, another amazing signing. You have Ben Davis as cover at left back. You have Sergio Aurier covering right back. And Sergio Aurier's performance yesterday was really good against Man City. So you have quality now at Tottenham, even in the midfield. And Dombele seems to be in the mood. And he, I mean, the midfield is really good now that Dele Alli has been completely phased out of the team. So that speaks volumes about the way Mourinho has changed Spurs. I mean, it's not just the way they play or the players that they have. It's the mentality now. You see them trying to fight for every battle. I saw the all or nothing series, Amazon series, and every single time I, I see Mourinho saying that fight for, for a tackle, fight for the ball. And that's exactly the kind of spirit that they show right now. Even Harry Kane, I mean, at times he's a bit dirty with the fouls, but he wants <laughs> to win every ball. He wants to win every ball, not just Harry Kane. You see every single Tottenham player. So they have, I mean, Mourinho has instilled the mentality in terms of performance as well. Even when they don't look very convincing, they kind of manage to sneak out points. I mean, bar the game against West Ham, of course. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I do see them probably being title contenders. But one key thing, the next four fixtures, I mean, including the City game, they took three points from City. They have Arsenal, they have Chelsea. I mean, they play Chelsea next, if I'm not wrong. Then they have Arsenal, Palace. Then Liverpool, I guess. I don't know if it's Palace, but next, I mean, three out of the next four fixtures are against top teams, Chelsea, Arsenal and Liverpool. So it, it is going to be interesting to see how they perform in these games. If they manage to take nine out of possible 12 from these four games, I think they might very well be yeah. you know, along, a shot for winning the yeah, title well, this season. Yeah, yeah, but they play Palace before they play Liverpool, so it, it is. It's Chelsea next week, next week, and then it's Arsenal, and then it's Palace, and then right. I believe it's Liverpool. But obviously, like you've mentioned there, the Europa League some games sandwiched in between them as well. So maybe a little bit too early to speak about Tottenham winning the league. But 
you just never know where the way this crazy season's going so far. Exactly. I've actually, I'm, believe it or not, my dad and my uncle actually support Tottenham. <laughs> They're from Liverpool, but they support Tottenham. Uh, and they always have the whole <laughs> lives. They, they always have, they have done the whole lives. And I think it's because their uncle, uh, which would be my great uncle, um, actually is or lived in Tottenham outside the stadium back in the uh, back in the 50s so I, I speak to my family quite a lot about Tottenham and, and there was an interesting point that my my, my uncle made because uh, he's not a great Jose Mourinho fan if I'm honest but he, he said that he's getting away with playing a type of football that he has done because the fans are not in the stadium to put pressure on the fact that they are being so defensive do you think given that given that insight and given that opinion, do you, do you actually think the fans being out of the stadium is actually playing into Mourinho's and Tottenham's hands? Yeah, I mean, that's a very valid point there, Chris. Uh, I mean, yes, Mourinho's been, been pretty much defensive a lot of times. And yeah, like you said, I mean, if, if there were fans in the stadium, you would see a lot of rambling, a lot of noise. I mean, a lot of, uh, no sign of, unhappiness as well but i mean yeah i mean it's 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 a very valid point it's a very valid point i i do think that has a role to play but also on top of that i do think there's 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 a lot of change tactically as well not not, not a lot of change but it seems as though he's he's found a perfect 11 to be honest i mean i mean a perfect 11 in the sense, he's got a mix of the right attackers and the right midfielders, and also a really good centre back pairing in Alderweireld and uh, Devinson Sanchez. So it's it's uh, how how do you phrase it? I mean, it's a tricky question, but and definitely it definitely has a role to play as well. The lack of fans, but yeah. I think it has more to do with Mourinho kind of finding the right players and getting the right. I mean, get, getting the best out of the right place as well. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why I think it, it, it is playing into his hands is when I got the impression when he was at Manchester United, he got caught between him playing the style and the system and the way that he knows and he can perfect as a manager and give great insights and, and coach the players how to do that. He got caught between that and then maybe giving the fans what they want and the media, I think when he was at Manchester United, he sort of, it was the first time I've seen him rattled, sort of, I don't know what the right word is, maybe he, he sort of, previously, he, he was never seen bothered by what people thought of him, Mourinho, when he was at Chelsea, when he was at Real Madrid, when he was at Inter Milan, when he was at Chelsea the first time, he didn't really care for what people's perception or the media's perception of him was. He played, you knew how he played, and it was everyone else's job to try and beat it. As we at Man United, I got the impression he got caught between the two. He was sort of almost scared of failure at Manchester United. And I think this, the Tottenham job is perfect for him at the minute, given the way they sort of failed towards the end under Mauricio Pochettino. It's actually, and, and the way that this, the, the football's gone since the pandemic, like you've mentioned there, he has bought very well. I think he's got a settled 11. He seems to have changed his style tactically. Not not changed 
his philosophy, but just just changed it tactically. And it, like like I said before, it, it does feel like he's got the like we're seeing a bit of the the old Jose Mourinho coming to fruition here. And I, I think we need to keep our keep our eye on Tottenham. I think especially Liverpool, but I, I think they're in the running. I do. I really do think they're run, in the running. Yeah, I mean, just just to add to that, finally, one one more point to add to that, Chris. And I I do think this again is a big big uh, factor why they've been doing so well. I mean, the pressure that comes with a Tottenham job isn't too high. Yeah. When you compare it with a with with what you have at a place like Manchester United or Chelsea, and the media attention as well, it's not that high. So the pressure from the media or the pressure overall, it's comparatively less, and it's. It's also evident that the relationship that he has with that Daniel Levy is pretty strong. So I think these two are again very key factors on why his team. I mean, he's being able to express more of himself. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. You, again, yeah. I think that's a perfect point that you've raised. Um, Tottenham haven't really got a history of winning league titles, so therefore, yeah, the pressure the pressure is. Com- it's just completely different, and that's not knocking Tottenham as a club. I'm sure, uh, or we're, we're not trying to say that they're a small club or they've got a small mentality. But I think the point that you've raised about Daniel Levy is a two-way fit. Is a two-way thing there. Levy probably knows that he's never going to get a bigger manager than Mourinho in charge of Tottenham whilst he's in charge. So I think he'll be a lot more patient with him. And the fact that yeah. He can go about his business without the without the the, the media pressure of of expecting to win the league, like he had at Chelsea, Manchester United. So yeah, that's a very good point that you've raised. I just want to touch on one more topic before we end this week's show or we end this week's Premier League discussion. Do you think the relegation battle is set now with the teams that are down the bottom? Do you think that's it now? Then bottom five teams. I was having a, the reason I asked you is that I was I was having a look at the Premier League table yesterday after yesterday's results, especially given how yeah. important that that win was for Brighton, and there seems to be a little bit of a gap developing now uh, between those bottom five teams. Do you think that's it now? C- considering that we're in November, do you think that's it now? Those five teams are going going towards I, the end of the season. I mean, football's crazy, so I wouldn't call it done as of now, but. From what I've seen so far this season, I would say I would pick four teams, and I think three of them are definitely going to go down: Fulham, West Brom, Burnley, and Sheffield United, the four bottom teams as we speak. And I mean, Brighton's a curious case there because actually they've not been so poor defensively, although they've conceded a lot. I mean, the way they've they've been quite solid, but I mean they've been pretty unlucky as well. So. I think they'll comfortably be safe later on, but Fulham doesn't look convincing to me. West Brom doesn't seem to get results their way, but they might probably survive. Sean Dyche, this season, I don't know, it's it's completely fell apart for him. But Sheffield United, for me, Chris Wilder, I mean, last season was amazing, super amazing, but this season they've had a lot of injuries, lot of injuries. They've had, they missed yeah. their key players like uh, Oli Norwood and they they. I mean, they don't seem to be. I mean, how, what, how, how, what word would you actually put it? They, they, they won't. They don't seem to be, you know, convincing. Perhaps. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's not that the overall performances are bad. They had a decent showing against Liverpool, 
for periods of the game they had they had a decent performances performance against man city as well it it wasn't too bad even against chelsea there were periods where they looked decent but they don't have someone who was finishing those chances pretty well they don't have someone who is creating stuff and there's a lot going on at sheffield united right now john lundstrom said he won't sign an extension so that's again a big blow for them and there's a lot of things there's a lot of things going on at that club right now and not the right things as well i mean in terms yeah. of morale morale also i think they're completely down they have what one point out of nine games one point out of nine games and they scored just four goals and for burnley you look at burnley they scored just three goals that's that's even worse and i don't know what's happened to shawn dyche i mean when i've seen him i mean i've seen burnley's games two to three times and i've had a lot of people asking me why burnley why burnley do you want to I mean, I I just said that I kind of like like to watch Burnley as well at times because and they are completely different, but it's interesting to see how they play at times. But it's not that they haven't created chances; they have few half chances and stuff like that. But they don't seem to be taking them pretty well, and defensively they don't look solid at all. So yeah, I think Sheffield United and Burnley might go down. Fulham as well. and west brom they played well they played well it's not that i mean they they again been a case where they've been pretty unlucky most of the time even against manchester united yesterday they had a var controversy but although probably it was fair i don't know but yeah. even against even against tottenham they defended very well and one small mistake at the end was what gave tottenham or harry kane that goal one lapse of you know concentration one sudden movement of bad judgment yeah. by the keeper so it's not like west brom have been awful they have been good even against chelsea you saw the same so yeah. i don't think it's completely decided yet because we have a long way to go again in this season and injuries are piling up not just for one team every single team as liverpool fan i am furious right now i hope we see the five subs soon soon but that that's a completely different topic i don't want to jump into that right <laughs> now it's a long season so it's too early to call but for me i think fulham burnley and sheffield united especially sheffield united and burnley they seem to be in huge trouble and i think those two are probably the two favorites to go down this season yeah i mean sheffield united got beat by west ham as we speak uh, they got beat 1-0 so i'm not sure if, if that's full time there yet or but it's certainly coming towards the end of the game yeah I, I, yeah, I just think those four teams now. It's three. I think it's too early to predict what three because all four have been equally as bad as each other. Sheffield United just look like Chris Wilder maximised every single ounce of ability that of limited ability that he had in those players last year, and I think that's just the game. The, the game turnaround this season is going against them. Burnley, I have a feeling. will get out of it but will still be down there if you know what i mean i don't think they'll actually go down fulham and west brom you just don't know what you, it seems to be like in a competition at the moment to see who can lose as many games as the other but yeah it will be interesting will be interesting to see um uh, how that develops throughout the season anyway and if anyone else actually gets dragged in uh, but i very much doubt it yeah, uh, same yes same yeah 
But that brings an end to this week's Premier League discussion. Um, I just think it's great to have Premier League football back, isn't it? Um, exactly. Yeah, none of this international football now. Let's give it a rest for the European <laughs> Championships. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been great speaking to yourself. Thank you to our Patreon Dieter for asking the question that he did. And we'll speak again soon. Yep. Bye bye, everyone.